there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free fill out the two-minute form and you will not regret it literally zero downside unlimited potential for growth so do yourself a favor revenue driven cmo.com slash free no hyphens no punctuations you will be happy about that decision hello everybody welcome to another exciting episode of revenue driven cmo i'm your man chris mechanic and we have a real treat for you here today uh, our guest today is an award-winning marketing executive who uh, just recently won Forbes 30 Under 30. Business Insider Insider calls her one of the most creative people under 30. Digiday called her change maker. She is former executive vice president at Cheddar, uh, as well as VP Global Creative at BuzzFeed. Uh, but at her current company, she's been instrumental in taking them from basically zero to six million users in under five years. Currently, she is chief creative officer at ClickUp. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Melissa Rosenthal. How are you, Melissa? I am great. Uh, thank you for the introduction. Thanks so much for having me. Fun fact, I am no longer under 30, but... Oh, I- well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the the intro. Yeah, it happens to the best of us, you know. But um, but that is very, very impressive. You know, I uh would have liked to have won like a 40 under 40. I never ended up doing it. Um, and I'm 39 right now. You have a year so left. Maybe you know? I can still do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they're working on 50 under 50. So, you know, they'll... right, right. <laughs> 50's a new 40 after all. Cool. Well, I'm super excited to be interviewing you. Um and I'm super excited to learn more about ClickUp, but you know how we roll. We like to lead with the value. You have had an amazing career, you know, especially for being so young. What what has uh, one of your biggest success secrets been? Yeah, um, I would say I've always I've always kind of led with a contrarian view uh, in everything that I've done, and I think a lot of a lot of that has really been attributed to. A few things, one being a little bit naive enough to not know what you don't know and not let that hinder your ability to think differently. And mm-hmm. an example of that is um, at at ClickUp, you know, I was coming into SaaS for the first time after being on the consumer marketing side for the, most of my career. And I really believed that we could take a different approach. And instead of all of the other enterprise SaaS companies really treating it like we have to market to this enterprise buyer in this very masculine, static, serious way, that we could add humor and we could add a humanization approach to it that most companies didn't take. And, you know, that was sort of a, a big bet. It was, hey, how do we, you know, we're going to treat the enterprise buyer like we're going to treat uh, a self-serve buyer and everyone is going to ladder up to this same holistic brand. And mm-hmm. from there, we're going to build out our narratives and, and you know, customize certain pieces of our, of our collateral and of our marketing materials. But holistically, our brand would be more consumer than it would feel B2B. Yeah. Yeah, and um, interesting. So you uh, you chalk it up in a way to naivety, and you know, not knowing what you don't know. Um, 
Well, for everybody listening, you should totally check out ClickUp's uh, ads on YouTube. They're hilarious. Like the Jira, the Jira exit interview one I saw, yeah. that was super funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is your approach? Like when you go, when you sit down and you say, hey, whether taking a stab at a competitor or, or not, like what is your approach to making humorous ads? Yeah. I mean, it, it's very thoughtful because I think there's two layers of being humorous. There's what you internally think is funny and then what other people will actually think is funny. And I think there is such a fine line between the two where you're marketing for yourself or you're marketing for your actual customers and to the narratives that people are already speaking to. So I've learned to really toe that fine line. I think, you know, we've all seen ads, we've all seen, you know, content where we're like, wow, did, how many rounds, how did that get approved? Right. Right. Like, you know, who thought that this was a good idea? Um, yeah. And I didn't want to really be on that side of history. So it's always a thoughtful approach of how do we do this? Is this okay? Like, you know, for Jira, for example, who do we want to go up against? It didn't make sense to really go up against, you know, there are several competitors in our category that we could have punched up against. Um, and that was one of the big first things we wanted to do, which was punch up. Um and, you know, Atlassian is a $50 billion market cap company, uh, figured they could take the heat a bit. That was, you know, the second the second piece of it. Um, and the the other side of it was the fact that we, we knew we could create a narrative that was already a narrative in market. Um, if you looked at the, you know, frustration of people that were actually using Jira, it's always become mainstream, a meme of sorts, where you read it on Reddit or you read, you know, there are memes going around, you know, like, we can fix this, but we can't fix Jira. So kind of yeah. knowing, you know, knowing that that was already this mainstream um, conversation happening, it was easier to play off of because we knew people would receive it well. Um, and also, you know, we we were really thoughtful about the framework of how we positioned it. Uh, we knew it would be polarizing no matter what, but we knew that if we took a very almost SNL humorous approach, it, it wouldn't feel like a like a, a political ad campaign where we were just smearing our competitor. It's a thoughtful, clever, funny, creative approach and a framework that people are already familiar with, with a problem that we already know that they're dealing with. We're not making that problem up. So yeah. well, it seems like an easy thing, but you have to go through all these steps to really understand if if this is going to come out well, is this going to come across well? So when, you know, that's just kind of like a, a microcosm into the world of how I think about ideas and what ideas are good and what ideas should be shelves. Yeah. So smart to like latch on to, uh, to a conversation that's already happening. Yes. Super duper smart. So um, it was interesting what you said about like the difference between what you think is funny and what other people will think is funny. Um, how do you like test that before you go through the effort of making an ad or, or a campaign or, you know, putting yeah. it in market? Like, is there a toe dip approach that you use? Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on, on the, like how, high risk we think it is <laughs> if, if yeah. you know if it's something that's pretty tame that we know will come off well um we just kind of ship it you know at this point it, it's we trust ourselves we trust what you know historically we've been able to put out but if we are nervous we'll go through a tool like user testing or we'll do something to actually gauge you know reception and take that with a grain of salt but understand like hey you know five percent of people aren't going to think this is funny but like if it's more than that like we, you know maybe we should should kind of either change it or tweak it or kill it. Um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, our, our narratives are driven by, and I think this is what makes us special, are driven by the real problems that people are having in the world of work. And they speak to things that are already happening um, rather than creating these fake issues. And I think that's like, that That really is the, the secret sauce to being able to connect with people through emotion, through like, oh, did you see this? This is, we were talking about this the other day. Um, when people are already having the conversations, it's easier than creating, you know, a fake ad campaign of a, a problem that doesn't exist and a made up word, which you see a lot, right? Um, and that's just not our approach to it. It's like, let's let's do it through the, the things that the people that are going to use our software are actually struggling with and do that humorously yeah that makes a lot of sense now um as a newcomer to the b2b space you will find as you probably have that a lot of the content a lot of the messaging is just 
boring, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. very sanitized. It's it's just incredibly boring. Uh, it sounds like your style is like just naturally humanizing. So like no matter where you uh, where you landed, you probably would have humanized. Uh, is humor like in other words, like let's say, like let's say that you were a consultant for many brands. Would would your approach be like humanized and tasteful humor generally across the board, or do you? F- I guess do you think it's applicable to pretty much like all B two B brands, or do you think there's certain B two B brands that like couldn't or shouldn't even try to pull it off? That's a good question. For the most part, I think humor can be done, and I think it's the most effective form of marketing when it's done well because you so can, fun. yeah, so you can, you can still convey all you want to convey that are the you know value prop of what you're actually selling through humor. Like it, it, it's not this one or the other, like either it's, it's through value, you know, you're selling, um, you're selling features, you're selling value or you're, or you're doing it through humor. Like, and I think for a very long time, people believed that there, they, these things couldn't coexist within, you know, the holistic way that a company is marketed. So I, I truly believe that like when you distill it down, you know, it has to be authentic to like who the brand is and how they approach themselves again through all of the touch points. It can, but, but, but I really do believe that that's, um, it is, it is a, a, a way forward for most B2B brands. Now I think it, it does it seem disingenuous or weird if a brand like kind of comes out with one ad campaign that's funny and then like everything else like doesn't feel like that a little bit. I think like, you know, you have to kind of own it um, and approach things either, you know, not everything needs to be laugh out loud funny, but it needs to have a tweak and a hint of that. We get you, we understand you level of self-awareness. And that can be in email marketing copy and sequences. It could be in white papers. It can be in, you know, it's, it's, it's tone. Um, And it's making sure that that tone is applied throughout everything that you do, even if it's a slight wink every once in a while. Yeah. You know, um, there's another uh, brand and a CMO that was on the pod. I can introduce you if you want, but um, it was Data Rails. Okay. They're they're an Israeli company, but uh, I'll share their link, uh, their uh, LinkedIn post. But it's like hilarious. Like they take basically like memes or um, uh, you know, like the little. It's it's a meme, but it's like a video meme where it'll show like ten people digging a hole, and then like the boss is like standing over watching, and it points to the people digging, and it's like these are the developers, and then it points to the boss, and it's like this is the project manager. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like but, use of memes is always you know like it's it's still like it it doesn't matter. You can be an enterprise security company. It, like th- there are ways to relate you know these like conceptual things that are all very like just already under easily understandable and then and then yeah. through the problems that your that your company is solving or through the engineers so I, I love that i think that's a great approach yeah they're called data rails i'll i'll share you on their thing and i can intro you if you want but um awesome so i think you're brilliant i'm really really impressed by you uh the audience is going to love listening to this could we do an exercise for an uh for a minute like i just want to kind of tap your brain and I know it's slightly off script. Um, but I want to get a better sense of like just how you think about stuff. Yeah. Is that okay? Of course. So um so pretend you're me, right? I own an agency. We're really okay. good at like paid search, paid social, conversion rate optimization. Uh I would love it. Well I I believe also in humor, you know, in tasteful humor and really my uh, core belief is like anything but boring, right? Because half yeah. the battle is getting attention. A hundred percent. So like if you were, you know, our head of creative or if you, or if we hired you like as a consultant and I was like, Hey, we want to do funny stuff. Like what are the general steps that you would go through? Like, would you first like jump on Reddit for instance, to see like what conversations are happening around the agency space or like kind of just walk me through your, your, uh, your process from the request of like, Hey, let's get some better ads that are humor infused to like the actual execution. Yeah. I mean, I would take a look at obviously each, each client, each company, I would, you know, treat it very differently. I would say, what are the narratives that this company can own? What are the narrative adjacents that, you know, they can play in? And then how do you bring those to life in a very 
humanized way where there is some level of, I see myself in that. I see my colleagues in that. I see others in that. What I believe is there has to be kind of a viral coefficient in the way that you think about the ads that you're creating. And if you can't find that, then it's probably not the right thing. So it's like sort of that mentality to start. And then, yeah, you start to see like, what are the conversations that people are having? What are the reels that they're creating? What are the TikToks? What are the Reddit? Like, what does Reddit say? Like all of these different places. And then like create this kind of Venn diagram of like, these are the sweet spots of where what we can own how we can sound and how we can do this. And then the narrative work begins, which is the challenging part. It has to really feel authentic and human. Um, you know, like the conversation around AI, like there, there are really funny ways to do that. We've done hundreds of ads, you know, like just in the way that people are view AI, are fear, fearful of AI, think it'll replace their job, uh, kind of laughing at what it can't do yet. And then, you know, we have an AI product within within our suite and it's a part of it's a part of clickup and it was like how do we tell this story and create a funnel through ai narr- like narratives to our product and it's like you know one example of that was um you know this would not be it wasn't a, a entirely clickup focused ad but the conversation was what if ai could like summarize like uh, slow talkers. And we had this guy come in and we filmed it in house. And it was um, a, uh, it it was a conversation between two colleagues. One asks how his weekend is. And the guy just goes, I went to the elevator and then I pressed the down button. And, and, you know, you see the other guy's eyes and he's like, Oh my God. And then all of a sudden he, he hits pause. He hits AI, click up, summarize, and then he summarizes it and he goes, yeah, my weekend was great, man. Like, how was yours? Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. And you know, it, it's just kind of this this thing, which is like natural office, natural work, um, you know, conversations, interactions combined with what you're solving for. Um, yeah. And the problem. So that's how I sort of look at it. Like, what what is that narrative? What is the funny part? What are things within like that world that you can then create? And then I try to find that middle ground on what are people actually talking about? Is this real? Is this a funny thing? Like, you know, slow talkers. Like, yeah, that's just it's just funny. Like, you know, no one likes a slow talker. So yeah, that's hilarious. Awesome. I love that. Cool. Well, that gives us a really good idea of you know how how you uh, sort of approach a new um scenario i think everybody or every b2b brand listening especially and even b2c brands uh can take a page out of this book so how do you go from uh cheddar and buzzfeed to click up like how'd that happen that's a good question um so buzzfeed uh was pretty much my first job out of college i was an intern there one of the first 10 employees uh saw it grow to 1500 i was managing a team of 100 people globally wow um, yeah it uh you know it was my first kind of unicorn that ballooned into a large company um and we hit this you know threshold of 1500 people and my old boss called me and said hey i, I want to start a new company so i said all right i'm up for that challenge um and and that was cheddar and you know that was the uh you know the the it kind of was also a contrarian view at that time which was now very obvious that people are going to cut the cord with cable and they're going to be subscribed to a multitude of streaming services so from the tech angle that allowed us to wiggle our way into a lot of these streaming services that no other live streaming company would really have been able to do before because the cable bundle is so hard to break through so mm-hmm. that's on the tech side. And then on the content side, we believed that we could create a, a young focused media company that was really, you know, focused on on what was happening in the tech sector and, you know, do it in a way that felt very young and cool. And like, this is what you need to know about who's raising money, what kind of companies are out there, who's running them. And no, no other channel, no other network was really doing that. So we kind of had this really interesting kind of shift there. And then after Cheddar, we sold Cheddar. And after that, I was so kind of really just in the tech world from all of the interviews and all the content we'd been producing that I was really interested in starting to get into the B2B side. Also at that point in time, I really wanted to be able to market a product without content being the product. Um, mm-hmm. Like that that model uh, was a shift for me. And I really wanted to be able to leverage all of my, what I think are my superpowers and marketing uh, to be able to sell a solution uh, rather than having content be 
the advertising, you know, advertising and content be the actual product that you're selling. So that was why I was interested in SaaS and, and ClickUp, you know, felt like that perfect company that I could apply all these really cool things that I had learned in the B2B, in the B2C consumer space. Um, and also had already built up a, a tone that matched my ethos of who I was. So a lot of kind of things, you know, stars aligned for me to feel like I could join that company and be able to do what I do best. And, and that comes from leadership that comes from, you know, what they had built to date that comes from product market fit. So that's, uh, that's why I made the jump. Interesting. Interesting. So it seems like you guys are just kicking ass and taking names. I did a little bit of research and there's there's certainly a buzz uh, going around. And like I said, the ads are hilarious. I'm definitely going to include uh, some of those in the show notes so folks can see. Uh, what is, as you think back on your, it looks like you've been there for about three years. As you think back on that time, like what are you most proud of? Is there a specific campaign or like a specific uh, victory moment that you can that you look back at and you're most proud of. I'm, I mean, I'm most proud of the team that I built there. Uh, you know, it's a team of people that like absolutely love working together, and I think the work that comes out of the company is a byproduct of the team and how well they work and how motivated and passionate they are and how they drive each other. I think if you don't really have that, uh, the work that we do would not be possible. So I'll, I'll say that. Um, and I, I think the victories are really the milestones that we've been allowed to take because of the small wins that we've had. So I don't look at it as like, wow, this campaign, you know, I, there are many campaigns that I'm really proud of, but I think I think all of these small things that you do that are micro wins are actually way more important than the macro, like larger wins, because they all just add up over time. And it's the consistency of doing things well over and over and over again. So it's like not, it's a not a cop-out answer because I, I have a lot of campaigns that I really am proud of and proud of the team for creating. I think they're all hilarious. Like the team is amazing, but I do think it's just this consistency of being able to punch out like ad after ad piece of content that really resonates people love i mean our our user conference was uh, one of the you know hardest things i've ever worked on with my team and it was blood sweat and tears and 60,000 people attended which is what you know when i it, we had our re- recap meeting it was like you know that's that's more than selling out madison square garden two nights in a row you know we think about, you know like putting it into perspective like you sold out madison square garden two nights in a row and put on a conference that's for, trended on twitter you know it, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. So it's so many of these moments, but you know, to be able to get there is what I'm most proud of, I would say, through everything else. That's huge. 60,000 people. Where was it? What city? It was virtual, but we filmed oh. everything in San Diego. So gotcha. it, um, yeah, it uh we, we did not host a 60,000 person conference. That would be that would be a little, a little uh high for us, yeah. right? Um, I was gonna say that's like bigger than inbound. Yeah, yeah, that would be bigger than inbound. But uh, yeah, virtually sixty thousand people attended, so couldn't couldn't be more proud of the team. I mean, obviously, it's not just creating the content; it's it's everything that goes into marketing that and getting people to actually show up and and thousands and thousands of man hours and people involved. So uh, you know, yeah, full, that's whole company effort. That's huge. That's huge. Um, so you've got the conference going. I see you guys are doing a lot of SEO. I see you're doing a lot of paid search, YouTube, and these uh, and these different channels. What would you say is like really driving your revenue engine? Like, yeah. are there any channels or um, traffic sources that really jump out? Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about it is all of these things are just vehicles for like having a really great product and then being able to market it. So, PLG is the number one growth driver of the product overall. It's really like expansion within teams. It's people telling each other about it. It's word of mouth, you know, SEO and all these other, all of these other, um, you know, paid tactics. I, I really do believe are these touch points on a journey, but if you don't have a killer product, you're really not driving it. So, I mean, as you probably know, attribution's really hard, right? It's like, where did they actually come in on this journey? How many touch points before? Are you really giving YouTube the credit? Are you giving SEO the credit? Um, right. It doesn't matter who you want to give the credit to. Um, it's likely not the first place that they that they heard about it. So I think it's firing on all cylinders and just having an incredible product that uh, you have internal customer advocacy for through it within companies, within you know having champions 
comedians, having people wanting to talk about it. And then, yeah, all these other things are kind of that nice to have. Yeah. When they, when they actually Google it, you know, you have great, great SEO rankings. You have all these templates that come up that can help them. Um, and thinking about the mechanisms that can actually drive that forward. Yeah. Now, um, now when I heard like chief creative officer, my mind automatically went to, you know, like the sales funnel, right? Like pre pre trial. Um, what are you guys doing like post trial to retain upsell cross sell? Like, how do you sort of make sure that that, 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 uh, messaging and that tone kind of carry through after somebody signs up for a trial and even starts using it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more at that point about retention and making sure that the product experience is great and offering them, you know, like benefits and, and thorough onboarding and really understanding who they are, why they're coming there, what they're using it for, giving them the best templates, the best use cases. Um, it's it's really about that enablement journey at that point. Um, it's like, you know, it's, it's what is the best, most world-class experience that you can give your customers once they've signed up. So it's, it's much more about that. It's constantly A-B testing different things. What does the onboarding flow look like? What are you showing them when they first sign up? How can they invite their teams? What are their teams show? Uh, what are the teams see when you invite someone? I mean, it's all of the mechanisms of like, what is the viral coefficient of, of getting people to sign up? And I think, you know, we have a great, a great, um, kind of built out thought process and flow of what that looks like through thousands of growth experiments. You know, that that's sort of where it comes in where you have a really powerful growth team that understands like how do you drive people? What do you test? What do you do? So that that's sort of what the focus is there. Yeah. So most of your focus then is actually like on the yes. before trial stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. That's, yeah, that's what on, I thought. Less on the upsell conversion side. It's let's get them there. Let's get them excited about it. Um, you know, let, let, let's have them, have us never lose, uh, uh, you know, a, or always be in the room when we're being brought up against competitors and, and have, you know, the, the majority of people want to use ClickUp and kill Jira. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I love your guys' ads. I love even the content, like the written content. I spent a little bit of time on the blog. Yes. Um, really well done. Like a lot of the, um, a lot of the content was was really valuable uh so congratulations you guys are kicking ass and taking names uh, i'm sure it's not all wine and roses though what are some of the big challenges or what's keeping you up at night i mean i think i think just the market this year has been tough right you know it's yeah. consolidation of tech stacks and and procurement processes across a lot of these larger companies where they're sticking with what they have. They don't want to venture into new tools. The CFO is is in charge. Um, so it's really combating a market that just isn't as friendly to software. Um, yeah. The beauty of our product is it's pretty bundled with everything that you need. So if you want to kill your your independent companies that you know or independent software that does like one thing, ClickUp is really that all in one. So it's hurt us a little bit less than than what you would think with other other software products, just because we're able to be that all in one bundle. So the consolidation actually helps us in a way. But still you're, you know, fighting an uphill battle in market when um, you know, the CFO doesn't want to onboard new software. Or, you know, how do you rip and replace? How do you make sure that you show more efficiency than other companies? Um, so there's, you know, a lot of things happening in market. Luckily, we've been shielded from a lot of the 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 true, true, true challenges that some of the other B2B companies have faced, the ones that don't have true product market fit yet, or or they are an ancillary, you know, nice to have. I would say ClickUp is much more of like a your company, your entire company runs on it. So it's a little bit easier. But yeah, I mean the the same problems that everyone else is is facing with uh with just you know the market being very different and you know efficiency being the ultimate focus. Yeah. And have you found any uh, techniques to combat that or like any techniques to um to you know grow regardless i mean again it's a focus on plg it's a focus on like what makes the product great and how how can you create expansion within the product itself um that's certainly a big one i would say the other is just being more efficient on on spend on ads on how we create on what we create um, you know, we we had obviously a great year and we did a Super Bowl ad and we spent a lot of money on that. Uh, did yeah. you? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we did that. Uh, it was last year, last year or two years ago. Um, Interesting. But, 
Yeah, you know, I mean, the times have changed. You know, we're not spending on a Super Bowl ad, but there's certainly a lot of other creative ways to do it, um, and a lot of other creative ways to tell tell the story of what we do and why we do it and how we do it well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just you know, marketing efficiency is definitely the the talk of the town in in B two B SaaS, and everyone is kind of not spending what they used to spend on on marketing. But you know, I also believe the pendulum shifts pretty quickly. Um, you know, the market's kind of going. I don't know where, if we're hitting quite the recession that everyone predicted. So I, you know, I, I always think that there's like it's cyclical. Like you know, like this stuff always happens. You see this time and time again, and you know, maybe we won't go back to the the times where companies were being valued at 50x their revenue, but you're certainly going to see an uptick in marketing. Marketing is not going to die. So I think yeah. focus on efficiency. You can't kill it all overall. Otherwise, you know, when uh when when the time comes again, you're going to be you're going to have missed out on on a lot of really crucial moments and abilities to like keep building your brand, keep keep uh, top of mind. Yeah, hundred percent, and um. Yeah, I think that the market, knock on wood, might be turning because there was a really positive CPI print. I mm-hmm. think some sometime earlier uh, in in the month, and the markets were just like, like, yep. November has been a crazy month of growth in the markets. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm optimistic. Yeah, could could definitely be a tide turning, knock on wood. Uh, but I also imagine, like, from a cost per lead, cost per trial, cost per acquisition standpoint, you guys are probably way more efficient because of that viral coefficient. You know, like you you guys create ads that don't really look like ads or don't really feel like ads. And I bet they get, I don't know if you got, if you can see like on YouTube, how many times they're shared or like how many organic views you guys earn. But I bet you you're getting a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's also pretty interesting because people will rip our ads and repost them on YouTube. And it's not typically something that like, you know, marketers look at as like a metric, but like, you know, those are all earned. Those are all like organic impressions of the brand um, from people just ripping our ads because they're good. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's a mix between like, can you create a viral coefficient in your marketing where people want to share your marketing? Like, you know, for every seeded view that you get, how many, how many of those are earned? That's the way that we looked at, you know, content at BuzzFeed and I, look at it the same way and at, at ClickUp. Um, and the other side of that coin is just the, um, you know, the, that PLG, like how do you create the virality and the coefficient within the product itself? And if you can do those things really well, you know, I think you're going to be really successful in market. And those are the two things that we look at. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, something else that I think a lot of B2B brands fail on that, mm-hmm. that could be useful for combating a slow market, uh, yeah. But B2Cs are all doing it, but it's the offer, you know, like like the strength of the offer, uh, I think is something that a lot of B2Bs lack. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of free trials, right, in the SaaS world. Yeah. But you almost never see like like a like a you know, try it for free for three months, like a like I don't know. It just seems like there's not a lot of effort put into really making the offers juicy on the front end. On on like a freemium model, you mean? Either a freemium model or, um, yeah, well, like on a on a freemium model, or even like with other types, like in in the non SaaS world, like in like a B two B services world. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's like contact us for a free consultation. Like that's the extent of their offer. Yeah, and, and you. I think people don't put put enough effort into into kind of like that that like, intro, like how are you stating it? Yeah, I, I think people just don't put a lot of thought into it. You know, like it seems like an area that people aren't really um, people aren't really like like a lot of people. Uh, put a lot of thought into like, Hey, how can we come up with a really good ad? But then the offer, and I'm not saying with ClickUp specifically, I'm saying with, you know, um, B2Bs in general, I feel like the offer is almost like an afterthought. You know, it's like the offer is always like a free trial, but even a free trial, um, can be framed and positioned in a way that it's, uh, that it's more valuable. For instance, like if it's, 
like you could call out certain things like, hey, it's like full featured or like, hey, we'll like help you on board, like be on boarded in less than 72 yeah. hours or whatever. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Like I, I think there's, you have to be able to get like the user has to be able to get value out of that, right? Like you can't lock them out of everything. So I think it's that balance of like, what what can they do with the product for free? And yeah. how many people are they going to invite before it becomes, I mean, for us, like a, you know, a pivotal part of their workflow where they need to use it and the features that are, you know, on, on a business plan or an unlimited plan um, are, are so, it's so incrementally, it's so much cheaper to just do that and the time that you're going to save and the efficiency. So, I mean, that's the way that we look at it. Like you, you can still do a lot with our, you know, our freemium model, but after a while, if you love the product, a, you're going to hopefully tell people your company's going to grow, you know, that those are some of the bets that you take. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that obviously is a very, very important part of kind of how you get people in and how you keep retention high and how you get them using your product every day. Like that's the, that's the biggest thing. It's like, they need to, you know, really be working out of it. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with Alex Ormosi? I am not. So he is like a like a growth guru. Uh, but he I read something from him recently that I liked, which I'll share here with you, is uh in the vein of an offer, like a really strong offer, there's a formula that he talks about, which is on the numerator, you have the dream, like how good of a job do you do in selling the dream and the attractiveness of that dream, right? Yeah. Uh, and then on the uh, also on the numerator side, the plus is um, so uh, likelihood. So how so there's just if you do a great job selling the dream and you remove all doubt, like make it highly likely that this is almost guaranteed to happen. That that those are the two uh, things on the numerator. And then on the denominator are two things. One is time delay. So the longer that it takes, the you know the offer becomes less attractive. The other thing on the de- denominator is uh, sacrifice or effort. And cost, I guess, can be bundled into that. So if it's like a really attractive outcome, high likelihood of happening with very low time delay and very low personal sacrifice or effort, uh, then you got a really, really strong offer that you can charge a lot for. Uh, and you see it play out, like think about a plastic surgeon versus like a gym membership, yeah. right? With a gym membership, it's going to take a long time and it might never happen, right? But with a plastic surgery, it's like you sit down, you know, with a big belly, you wake up with with no belly and it's almost 100% likely to happen. So I guess um, even if a free trial is a free trial, like we're working with a, a large B2B company that's um, product-led, so like free trial is their, is their main conversion. And that's what we're doing with them is like, we're, we're not changing anything about the actual trial or anything about the post experience. We're just helping them to articulate those things basically. Yeah. Um, and seeing and seeing massive conversion improvements, like nearly triple digits in terms of just how many people are filling out the form to start that free trial. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's like, what can you do today within that product? Right. And yeah. that's that is definitely what we try to convey. It's like, hey, like, you know, this can be, you know, we want to say this in a market. It can be as simple as or as complicated as you need. But the, the 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 you know you can start off and and really just have everything in your workspace immediately. You can use a template. There's there's ways to like you know really shorten the the time to being able to actually have a huge advantage within your workflow by using the product. So yeah, I, I totally agree. That's like you know if if you're like saying implementation is going to take three weeks and you have to do this and you have to jump through hoops. Of course, it's just, it's so much harder to get people to convert. Um, but if you can show the value immediately uh, and then show how, how quickly that will happen, I, I yeah, I, I agree. 100%. Yeah. Tem- templates are a great example of that. It's like uh, tried and tested templates means it's uh, a less effort, less sacrifice, B more yeah. likely to happen and more likely to be effective. I mean, also like even just, uh, you know, uh, I like Canva as a good example of that. If you've ever used Canva, it's like, mm-hmm. 
There are so many. There's thousands and thousands of templates. It's infinite almost. Um, there's a lot of baselines, but you know the the upgrade is constantly there, and you can see the value in what you get very quickly to the next level of what Canva Premium is. So it's you know it, it is that it's like I can use that tool today and create something really awesome. But there's a you know if I use it tomorrow, it's it's like okay, great. I've now I've already know how to use it. Uh, like hey, the the upgrade is so much you know the the value is very it's conveyed. It's easy to use X Y and Z. There's a lot more templates that I can use. So I think yeah, your your templatization of everything is really kind of key, or at least showing people a sandbox of what they can what they can have immediately day one. No yeah. one. I- Think about having to build something out new right now. Like that's you know the 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 pressure on your job as a whole is is enormous enough to then think about adding uh, you know a complex either new software, new tool, new system, you know like anything. So it's like you have to think about people that are already stressed within their own you know what they're working with already and and cater to that that mindset and that you know I get, I agree that speed. Hundred percent. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about the future, uh, and then we'll move into the lightning round. I know you got a hundred things to do, but uh, what are some of your big priorities for twenty twenty four? Yeah, I mean, right now it is uh, full steam ahead. Released the new version of our product. It's getting that you know, getting the feedback from from the world on on how that's working and and marketing that appropriately and really. You know, bringing fully all of your work into one place with with our new with you know what we is now ClickUp, but was ClickUp 3.0, um, and a lot of that is like what it enables you to do better, faster. It's it's really how you want to work, which is amazing. So the priority is is sharing with people exactly how that looks. Right? It's Click. This is built for the way that you need to work and how you want to work, and it's customizable and flexible for you. And you can pretty much do everything with it. So it's uh, it's kind of full steam ahead on on you know the three point and and uh, marketing that to the world. Brilliant, interesting. And what's different about three in a nutshell? I see this page here. I'll check that out too. But yeah. are there are there certain like key differences? I mean, it's really it's just it's that next version of the way that people should work or in way that people want to work. It's just infinitely customizable and flexible. Um, it's not opinionated. So, you know, it's, it's like, if you want to work a different way, like it's very easy to do that. Um, where I think that's been kind of the mantra of, of what we've tried to build from day one, which is like a completely non-opinionated piece of software. If you look Mm. at our that it's so opinionated it's like so static you can't do certain things and and click up is just you can pretty much do it all now um you know straight from tasks straight from whiteboards um everything is really just it flows together and connects together in a way that no other software does so that's definitely i would say the the improvements in a nutshell but it really does it does everything you know our ai product is next level our universal search is is game changing you can search through anything i mean the, the ultimate goal is yeah. save you a ton of time and i i think you know we've really hit the mark Brilliant. And so, so you've got, so it's basically Slack is built in or Slack functionality, right? Like it's not an integration with Slack and chat chat functionality throughout tasks. Yes. And docs also is built in. So like your Google docs, for instance, goes away. Yeah. You don't need to use docs anymore. You can create an entire knowledge base. Um, You can summarize, uh, use AI within, within the docs feature. So, I mean, it really does replace pretty much every, every tool you would need. Um, We have our own recording, you know, our recording software. So you don't need to use a a company like Loom. So, I mean, everything really is built in. Like there there are very few things that you can't do in ClickUp, if anything, um, you know, our our full HR team hiring built into that. We we do everything out of the product. So that was the ultimate goal. It's any team, any size, you know, any any company. Wow. Okay. I, I think I'm starting to get it now. So it's like your applicant, like for recruiting, like your applicant tracking system is in there, your CRM is in there, your Slack, your Google Docs. Yeah. Like yeah. You can, I mean, really, really, you can do it all. Um, your marketing software. Wow. I mean. We literally use ClickUp for everything. And ha- the goal was to 
you know, we gotta, you gotta talk the talk and walk the walk. So if we're going to say that we're replacing everything, we need to do it ourselves as well. So the amount of software that we actually use externally is extremely low now compared to our own internal tool, which we've pretty much now used for literally everything that we do across every, every part of the company. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's awesome. You guys are on a roll. I'm really, really impressed by you and and the entirety of your marketing team. So big round of applause for y'all golf claps, I guess we'll do on a, a podcast, but um, let's do a lightning round real quick and then we can get you out of here. All right. Sounds great. All right. Question number one is uh, if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? Wow. Um, something in food. I'm really passionate about cooking. So okay. I beef jerky brand or something like that. But uh, I don't know that or, or, some knowledge base that on the other side of it. Yeah. On the other side of food, uh, a knowledge base that kind of combines every marketing playbook from every company that's done it well and being yeah. able to create some sort of aggregate version of that where you can understand how different size companies have done different things, which I'm sure someone is working on it kind of is just like a chat GPT wrapper that's now taking a lot of knowledge in from podcasts and things, but I still feel like there's a lot of information that's floating out there that people find nuggets of through LinkedIn, but there's not this, this Wikipedia of it um, that you can mm. that or, or beef jerky. Very, very closely. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, both interesting ideas. Question number two is uh, what are your top three books or authors or influencers or podcasts even? that it made a big impact uh, on your career? Like, where do you go to learn and get inspired? A lot on LinkedIn lately, um, but there have always been, you know, there's books, which is one called How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp. That's <laughs> sort of, of of like just understanding brand loyalty, why people will use, you know, your, your products, your software, how to speak to them. Um, that's always been very inspiring. Uh, the other one is... I, very popular, but uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, mm-hmm. I had nothing in my background that should have made me successful in what I did outside of pure grit and, you know, taking contrarian viewpoints and believing in myself and, and figuring out the pieces I needed to get there. So if there's anything that I would say describes like partially why I'm successful, it is my grit and ability to just be scrappy and get things done. Um, and the third uh one I read recently, it was called The Surrender Experiment, which is uh, a book about a tech executive who was, I believe he was a, a yoga instructor, and he kind of became like a monk and, and surrendered his life almost to what would happen if he gave in to a lot of the decisions that life was pulling him in. And had led him, you know, it led him from this uh, building this kind of yoga retreat house for for colleagues and friends to running a multi-billion dollar software company. And the journey from him getting there is through these moments of what he calls surrender. Um, and it's been, it was a pretty interesting read and, and uh, you know, just kind of changes your perspective on everything that you deal with every day and what you surrender to and let lead you rather than force and try to push in a different direction. So those are three books that I would highly recommend. And yeah, I mean, I'm constantly listening to other B2B podcasts and on LinkedIn. Uh, that's definitely my my daily, like, how do I get inspired by real people? I believe in people as funnels for speaking about the things. And I've seen, you know, the, the trend of building in public is definitely uh, one that I'm a fan of because you can really get some great insights and, and great thought-provoking things from people out there that are actually doing the work. Interesting, interesting. Any uh, particular people on LinkedIn that you are loving these days? Um, I really like Anthony Canada from uh, Audience Plus, and I'm an advisor at the company. But I he I think he's doing the right thing with the way that he builds in public and shares uh, past, present, future experiences of how it is builds a company that is focused on brands creating owned media and why owned media is important. So I think he's done a great job. Um, I mean, there's just so many other people, but I'll, I'll spotlight him. Cool. All right. I love it. And question number three is, well, what do you do to avoid burnout and how do you help your team also avoid burnout? Great question. Um, I mean, I think like when you're at a startup, it, it's always a level of work-life imbalance. I think that's just the nature of it. Um, I think I'm kind of 
drawn to that anyway. But I think it's it's allowing people to work the way that they want to work and and kind of sticking to what we say about how we build the product. Um, you know, most of the work, although there's an office, is async and people, you know, if you get your work done and and you're putting out great results, I don't care where you're working, how you're working, you know. So I think it's just making sure that people have the time and the space and mental energy to be able to put the, their best foot forward and put their best work out there. And that takes a level of allowing them to work the way that they need to work when they want to work. So yeah. I'm descriptive and, uh, you know, I'm not a, hey, show up, I need to see your face from nine to five. It's just not, I think, the reality of the way that the world should be working and that most people actually put the, you know, get the best out of themselves. Most people don't like, you know, some people work really well at night. Some people work really well in the morning. Some people need to surf during the middle of the day to, to refresh. Some people need to take a three-hour shower to gather their thoughts. You know, whatever yeah. whatever it is that inspires you or, or enables you to come up with the ideas and, and you know, progress yourself, I don't care how it's done, so... Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time here today. Uh, this has been awesome. I'm sure that uh, listeners are really, really enjoying this. Uh, if people want to learn more about you or ClickUp, where would you direct them? Uh, well, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I do post a lot. So Melissa Rosenthal, I'm pretty easy to find. And then, yeah, check out more about ClickUp. Uh, you can visit our YouTube page. We have an amazing ClickUp University if you want to be walked through the the beginnings, the intermediate to expert level versions of of how you use the product and, and check it out at ClickUp.com and, and check out ClickUp 3.0. Nice. I'm going to do that myself. I encourage everybody else to do the same. Uh, and if you like this, if you learn anything or if you laughed a little bit today, drop us a five-star review wherever you get your pods. We really appreciate that. Uh, and that's a wrap. That was another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.